When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami. Welcome to another Victory Monday, three yards per carry, the Miami Dolphins. Your Miami Dolphins are nine and three after a convincing 45-15 victory over the Washington Commanders yesterday. The Dolphins and our 2-0 and post-Thanksgiving, kind of the right time to hit your stride. Uh, nine and three for the first time since 2001 and our largest road victory since 1978 when Alf was merely 25 years old. The show, as always... <laughs> is brought to you by prize picks use the promo code three yards and number three yards get 100 match bonus on your 100 deposit and of course by our friends at manscaped get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code 5rsn at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code five number five r s n alpha i'll come to you first given that you're the elder statesman of the group how would you reflect 24 hours later on Miami's convincing victory? We talked about it in the previous show, didn't we? We wanted, um, you know, a fairly fulsome and a collective offensive performance. And I, I feel like we had a very good offensive performance, a very good defensive performance, albeit against arguably the worst team we'll play all year. But nevertheless, you've still got to beat who's in front of you. And we did that convincingly. Uh, well, first of all, we played the Patriots. And I don't know if you saw their game yesterday, but... Um... I'm, I might be a proponent for relegation. Uh, I don't know how it, how it will work in the NFL, but uh, that Patriot team doesn't belong in the NFL. I don't know if you saw them play yesterday. I mean, it's pretty clear though, that the, that Patriots team is obviously tanking for Caleb Williams or Drake May. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that now. Yeah, that, that, there's I mean, absolutely that, no a, doubt about that. That's a team that that finished closer to the Eagles than, than, than we did. And, you know, we lost by 14 to the Eagles. They lost by five. You know, that's a... They beat the Packers, who are, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a by the by. But anyway, Washington weren't very good, but we did exactly what we needed to do and did it in a very convincing style, I think is the point. Yeah, uh, I said so on on the previous show. I wanted to see a completely clean, forceful effort on all phases, and I think we got that. Uh, we even got Jason Sanders to thunder home a, 
what was that a 47 48 yarder you know it's uh, there was really nothing to be mad about now there, there was a couple of blemishes i would say especially in the run game uh but other than that like there's really nothing to to really be upset about there was a couple of calls that that eric Bianami made that defeated fangio uh coverages namely that wheel route to curtis samuel that somehow ended up with uh jerome baker in man coverage um which actually might cost us Jerome Baker for maybe a month or so. And we'll get to that later on. But uh, I can't help but be completely impressed, really. Uh, there was three quarters of garbage time there. And that Sam Howell, who was leading the league in passing yards, could only muster 127 of them is impressive to me. I think it just is. I think I, there was really no one bad step. And the return of Devon HN. Reminded me how important this kid could be for us going forward. I, he's a force. And uh, I mentioned it earlier on OnlyFans, and you guys could get on there, uh, on discord.gg forward slash OnlyFans for just $3 a month. I mentioned earlier he's the best rookie I have seen in the Dolphin uniform since Chris Chambers, offensive rookie. And I'm pretty certain of that now. Uh, he is... As advertised, he's getting better. I think he's going to be a force down the down the stretch, and I can't wait to see him employed even more in the passing game. Yeah, that defense you talked about held Washington to under 300 yards of total offense, the fifth straight game and seven of the last eight that they've done. So we talked about in the previous show, this defense becoming the story of the second half of the season. Um, and they've also, according to Pro Football Focus since week nine, has allowed just four yards per play, which is first. Chris in the NFL over that period. It was a a dominant defensive performance without even touching on what the offense did. Yeah, I mean the, there so there's there's that streak. Just consider also they did it they did it without I mean we know they did it without Jalen Phillips and um and that's not saying a lot at this point because he's not going to be back until next year. So it's not like he's walking through that door in a few uh in a few weeks. Um, but they did it without Javon Holland too. And I think that that's probably where you, where you started to feel some of what the, um, what the commanders were able to do with Curtis Samuel, um, and, and were able to do with the underneath, uh, underneath players a little bit. Um, yeah, so they did it without Javon Holland and they, uh, they still held them. They held the, uh, the leagues, you know, whether you whether you hold him in high esteem or not, Sam Howell was the league's passing leader at entering the game, um, and uh, and yeah, it's just a, it's a really remarkable job that they did in coverage. Terry McLaurin was completely blanked out. You know, I mean, he's he said he said after the game he got in a lot of cardio. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and uh, and I think and what what's interesting to me about holding them the way we did. Well, first off, you know that the the commanders, their offense, the way their offense is, um, they're used to getting over mistakes and just keeping on coming, you know. And and so you saw a little bit of that in the game. But um, but this is a wide receiver unit with Terry McLaurin and uh, Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel that you could easily imagine in an, in some other universe somewhere um, being the 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 core of a Mike McDaniel offense, you know, um, with those kinds of receivers and that kind of speed. And um and the Dolphins did a fan, fantastic job on it. 
on them without their um, their Pro Bowl caliber safety and uh, Javon Holland and um, and you really have to give the kudos to them. And Andrew Van Ginkle clearly played out of his mind. Um, Emmanuel Ogba didn't even get many many snaps, and yet he still made an impact. Um, and and this is in the wake of uh, of of losing Jalen Phillips. So hats off to those guys. Hats off to Xavier Howard. He had a big. He had a big uh, pass breakup or two in the game. And uh, Jalen Ramsey, of course, just, you know, just erases people off the board. So, um, so yeah. I've touched a bit about, touch a bit on the injury to Jerome Baker, what it might mean for the Dolphins, what he's meant for the Dolphins this year, and who might come in to take, well, I mean, we kind of know who's going to come in to take his snaps, but, but what Duke Riley will bring over the next two, three, four weeks, depending on how quickly. Jerome Baker gets back, and if you haven't heard, uh, an MCL injury for Jerome, believed to be two, three, four weeks potentially, uh, he might be out. But um, what's Duke bringing, and what are we missing with um, with Baker being out? And and I suppose can we get him back for that Dallas game? You know, is it is it beyond the realms of possibility that he comes back in in a couple of weeks' time, having missed Tennessee, having missed the Jets, and, and back in time for that stretch run of Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo? Yeah, I think that's the hope. Um, you absolutely want him back for that Baltimore game because he's going to be essential. He's going to be essential personnel for for that for that particular game. Um, with Duke Riley, you're going to get you know a pretty decent scrape backer, a guy who could play the flat pretty well. Uh, they're going to change some fronts. They already did with Jalen Phillips out. They changed some fronts and they started employing some different things that actually actually kind of worked out. You saw some of the warts. In playing this defense with Emmanuel Ogba, uh, it wasn't that he he made a bad play or a bad read. It was just bad in technique. Um, you know they like to play a little bit more parallel to the line instead of playing upfield. And Emmanuel Ogba caught himself, uh, I guess, cheating inside with nobody scraping to his outside, and that left Brian Robinson uh, basically alone on the perimeter with a safety for a twenty-two yard gain, I believe it was. So that was one mistake which is, was essentially the only failure in their fronts yesterday. Um, they're going to change some things up. They're going to play a little bit more conventional. And you're going to see this. You're going to hear this name on occasion because they're going to need him for a few snaps, for some specialty snaps, and that's Channing Tindall. I think he's been promoted steadily through through uh, their special teams to the point where he's now R1 on kickoff. Uh, usually that bodes well for snaps. Um, as a backup linebacker, so they're going to need him in some in some specialty role. But you're going to see a little bit more diver- diversification as far as fronts, and you can see more people being employed uh, on this defense. It's not going to be it's not going to look like it did before with Jerome Baker and just David Long. Uh, I think that you're going to see you're going to hear some new names here in the in the coming in the coming weeks, uh, including Brandon Jones, who I thought acquitted himself very, very well yesterday. And it was also interesting that Brandon Jones got uh, got one of his uh, two-by-one blitzes called by Vic Fangio, and it got home. Yeah, so we might be seeing some of that as well in these coming he weeks. He remains very good at getting into the backfield and getting after quarterbacks. Uh, two big things have happened in the last few minutes, Chris. Um, unrelated to the Miami Dolphins, the trailer for the next Grand Theft Auto has just dropped uh, and is sending the whole of the internet wild. But also the um, four finalists for the Heisman Trophy have just been announced. Jaden Daniels, uh, Marvin Harrison, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix. Boys, who would you pick out of those four? Hmm. Uh, I'm tempted to say 
Daniels. He just had the best year, but I'm going to go completely off the board, and I know he's not going to win. Michael Penix Jr., in my opinion, was the best quarterback I saw play for most of the year in big games, especially those two Oregon games. Um, and I understand he's not the best quarterback in, in FCS, okay? I know that Caleb Williams and Drake May are better, but I thought he was the best big game quarterback this year. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him win the Heisman, although I don't think he's going to win. I think Daniels is going to win. Chris? I, I think Jaden Daniels. As I mean, it's just um, – it seems like uh... – it seems like with the kind of year that he's had and with um uh sorry um I'm I'm brain farting uh Malik Neighbors <laughs> yeah. with the um the the connection between he and uh neighbors this year has been special. It's been a you know, we've seen we've seen with Joe Burrow uh at LSU and Jamar Chase and and then here we are again. And I, I think this time Jaden Daniels uh has it. So Yeah, I think it's one of the all time great seasons in uh in college football history. I'm actually surprised that Jordan Travis isn't the lone winner of the Heisman, given that obviously his absence meant that Florida State couldn't get in the playoff. Therefore, that surely must make him the best player. In the- <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm tending to agree. Just putting that out there. I'm just putting that out there, people. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I tend to agree. The, the good thing is that they're not setting a president, uh, yeah, you know, this year by what they're, what they're doing because next year there's going to be 12 teams in the yeah. playoffs. So this is not something that, is going to carry forward, but it is a shame. Like one of the, come on. and I'm not even an FSU fan. I'm, yeah, exactly. uh, I root for UM. And imagine being me. It's absolutely ridiculous. Now, let me ask you something, Simon. Yeah. Had Bo Nix won on Friday, would he be the favorite for the Heisman? Uh, I don't think so because I just don't think he played very well. I thought Penix completely outplayed him. I mean, I thought he played well in the second half, but um, you look at some of those throws that Penix made, I just thought were, were unbelievable. Um, I agree. But yeah, it'd be very interesting to see where they all end up, and I think Penix ends up in the first round. But I think he's another... he's uh he's your new New England Patriots quarterback next year. Oh no, I don't think so. I think it'll either be Williams or May. I don't. Oh, I don't going. think the I don't think the Patriots are going to get there. Uh, oh. Car- uh Carolina's pick is going to be so bad. The the Bears are going to sell that thing for a fortune. Yeah, but the Patriots are picking second because Arizona beat Pittsburgh yesterday. Oh, they did. Arizona beat Arizona, Pittsburgh. Because Arizona got Kyler Murray back. I'd expect the Cardinals to pick up a couple of wins. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And right now, yeah, the, the Patriots are 2-10 and 10 and the um, and, and the, Carolina are 1-11. And, 11, but, and there's, know, a were, rumor, there's a rumor. They were the threatening. <laughs> yeah, there's a rumor the Patriots are going to start Malik Cunningham. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, think, well, think of the incentives from here on out. We, like, at, Carolina, what incentive do they have to lose? Exactly. I mean, you've got the opportunity if you're the Patriots. I mean, imagine the Patriots pull off. I mean, it'd be bad enough having uh, Drake May as well, but imagine if they pull off. Um, Caleb Caleb Williams. I mean, that would be. Although, yeah. although I get the sense that Caleb Depressing. Williams will, will have something to say about that. Yeah. Well, but being coached by Bella, I mean, the, the Panthers have got the Saints, the Falcons, the Packers, the Jags, and the Buccaneers. So, I mean,. Could do. I mean, they lost twenty-one eighteen on the road in Tampa yesterday, so they could pick up a win at home in the final game of the season and screw the whole thing over. Although Belichick will probably get fired, and they'll bring in somebody else to coach. Well, that's players. that's the other thing. I mean, you know, Caleb Williams. If, if you're Caleb, Caleb Williams, it's probably not going to be Belichick at yeah, this point. Absolutely. Anyway, back to our regularly scheduled programming. I, I just want to talk a little bit about the 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 back end because it feels like obviously we talked about Brandon Jones there, Javon Holland being out. 
But the job that the cornerbacks are doing, and by cornerbacks, I don't just mean Xavier Howard and, and Jalen Ramsey, but also Kadeko, who's sliding back inside to the nickel where he feels and looks much more comfortable. He's one of the most aggressive tacklers, one of the most forceful tacklers from that position in the NFL. Isn't it? You look around at players like Jair Alexander, who loves to throw his body around. Uh, you look at um, uh, uh, the kid for a Witherspoon uh, up in Seattle. Body around. Uh, no, uh, sorry, the the first oh. round pick. Uh, oh wait, okay, I know. You know Witherspoon? Yeah, Devin Witherspoon. Yeah, Devin yeah. Witherspoon. Kid out of Illinois. I, I yeah. Um, but Coe is another guy who just loves the physicality, loves to throw his body in there against the run. Sure tackler, and it feels like he's completely found. I mean, the two part question: one, it, it feels like he's back home in the nickel, but also just talk a little bit, Chris, about the the way that this defense generally from the back end forwards has kind of really filled out what Vic Fangio wanted it to do. And we we knew it would take a bit of time. And there were lots of people a few weeks ago going, oh, Fangio's been overrated. And we knew it was going to take a bit of time for this defense to click. And now it finally is clicking. And it kind of feels like it starts on the back end with those two corners locking everything down. Yeah. And and, and actually what it feels like, what it feels like happened is that when Jalen Ramsey came back, um, the coverage coordination between all of the um, all of the DBs back there just just stepped up like a whole a whole level, um, and the communication and coordination between those guys they're all on the same they're all on the same page much more often. You know, if I go back to like the uh, the Buffalo game, um, one of the the Dolphins obviously were uh, reading their own press clippings coming off of the Denver uh, the Denver you know. Uh, shellacking and uh and so they they had the, probably the most embarrassing performance of the year uh for the for the whole team against buffalo the final the next week well i think about the coverage coordination and the bus that happened in that game and it was it was abysmal it was um the 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 communication and um the the coordination between the between everybody in the secondary was so bad and i think that in the time that Jalen Ramsey, it, it might have, it might have been, you know, improving steadily, and then just something clicked, and it might not have been. I, I might be wrong to attribute it directly to, to Jalen Ramsey, but it did seem right around that time that everything just clicked as far as that coordination. Um, now, Cater Kohu, as he goes forward, uh, if he wants to be, you know, the kind of player that I know that they think he can be, then he will have to learn to play on the outside. Um, and it was not just uh, that Buffalo game and the Denver game where he did that. He also did it in the Eagles game. And, you know, um, and I think he probably acquitted himself a little bit better in that one. But since then, you know, we've we've got a much more rational secondary back there. Um, and everybody just kind of clicked and slid into place. Uh, with Jalen Ramsey uh, and Xavier Howard on the outside, and Kater Cohen on the inside, so I, I think, I think that you know, it, it seems like it seems to defy belief a little bit that that everything from a communication standpoint could could get that much better because of one just one person. Because that because I don't want to you know put I don't want to throw any mud at um, at Eli Apple or anything, you know, um, but at the same time the results are what they are and it's been clear uh it's been clear on film so just a quick word as well on zach sealer who i think uh was it a sixth or a six and a half sack yesterday this season yep. it's uh you know you don't always see guys coming off a big contract uh 
announced when a big contract signed and then having their best season. But that's clearly what what Sealer is doing. And and the two guys on the interior, what combined for 13, 13 and a half sacks now, just between mm-hmm. the two of them, without even counting Deshaun Hand uh, or Raekwon, who've, who've weighed in with two or three themselves. Um, just a quick word on those two guys, because they continue to set the tone for that defensive line, don't they? Oh, absolutely. And Christian Wilkins is playing himself into the contract that he wanted. And if you compare him with all his contemporaries that he felt he was, you know, in line with Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence, uh, you know, the Equinan Williams, he's not played all of them. So Jeffrey Simmons comes the closest, by the way, and he might not play this past th- this coming week, but we'll talk about that on Thursday. Uh, they're absolutely fabulous. And and it's almost infectious. And I think that's something you were talking about the back end. I think that's something that's happened with. Have you noticed how how well Xavier Howard is playing since Ramsey suited up? There's something about looking across the field and you know saying, okay, I might not be the best player here anymore. Maybe I got to step my game up to show that I still belong. And he's been absolutely fabulous as well. And there's something to be said for hitting on on a smart free agent pickup in Deshaun Elliott they they've yes. made they made so many good so many good moves this offseason they hit bingo on Deshaun Elliott and David Long yeah, who would have thought that Keon Smith would be a player so well, yeah I mean, we'll get to the offense in a sec but because there's plenty of questions to go out there but agreed they have hit on some I mean there's going to be some need to be some creative accounting I think to retain some of these these players for next season but we will get to that down the road do you Real quick, do you know how many do you know how many points um they've given up in the five games since Jalen Ramsey returned? The the on defense, I'm not counting the uh fumble return touchdown uh by Kansas City, you know, the, the it's um they've they've I'll just I'll just say the games. They've they've allowed 17, 14, 13, 13, and 15 points. Nice in the five games since Jalen Ramsey returned. I believe that's good. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> we are three yards per carry. I am Simon. Those two are Alf and Chris, respectively. The show is brought to you by Prize Picks and by Manscaped. And in a minute, we will be back to talk about the Dolphins' offensive output against the Commanders. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. 
Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six. That's nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Or visit the website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than eighty five star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. Welcome back to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Simon. Those two are Alf and Chris. This of course, is your weekly Monday breakdown of what happened Sunday. On Thursday, we'll preview the Monday night game against the Tennessee Titans at home uh, in the 305. Uh, God, that sounds so cheesy saying that. (laughs) But speaking of the 305, the Dolphins now have four of their last five games back at home, which is, um, you know, for a team that excels back at Hard Rock Stadium, that is a boon heading into the final few weeks of the season. The offensive output yesterday, gentlemen, was very strong, led, of course, by the quarterback, who had another excellent day, of course, by Tyreek Hill. I kind of want to start with a bit of a negative, and I kind of just want to get it out of the way a little bit, but Jalen Waddle's hands are becoming a concern. Uh, we've had a number of significant drops earlier in the season. They almost seem to be mounting up, mounting up, mounting up. There was a couple yesterday, uh, you know, a key one, you know, it was a contested catch down the field into the you know, into the low red zone that he dropped in traffic, you kind of take it or leave. But there was certainly one wide open in the middle of the field that he just put put down on the floor. Is this becoming a concern? And if so, what needs to be done? Because it, it, he's had, you know, he probably doesn't have 10 out of 10 hands, but he's probably shown sort of seven and a half, eight out of 10 hands to this point as a professional. But you, you kind of list him at five and a half, six is the way it's going at the moment. Is this an issue? I think it is. I think he needs to, you know, this is not going to be fixed this season. Uh, you know, you can do all the extra work that you can, and you're not going to fix it. This is something for the offseason. He's going to need a long offseason and get with the coaches and possibly even hire a coach. Uh, some of this is confidence, and, you know, you got to keep going back to him, though. And I hope it doesn't get to the point, and I'm starting to think that it has at certain moments because you could see how, how Tua relies on Tyreek Hill more than usual. And I hope it's not going to get to the point where Tua loses some confidence in Jalen Waddle, but yeah, he does have to pick this up. He does have to fix this. Uh, a little bit more diversity as far as personnel might be warranted, but extra work, uh, you know, get him get him more involved with something easier to get his confidence up. But he's a guy that they have to get in line with with the program before the playoffs come around because he is. He's extremely important. He's going to be counted on to make a big, big play uh, one moment or the other uh, down the stretch. Uh, this was a bad game for him. Uh, I, I I completely attribute that that drop on that bomb down the field. That, it fell out your feet. I know that you're in traffic, but you're one of the better wide receivers in football. Make that catch. If the ball fell out your feet, and that was a 45-yard gain to be had. And mm-hmm. the other one, I completely agree with you. There was like nobody around him. He catches that, he could turn around, and who knows? If he makes somebody miss, he might go the distance. So, well, absolutely, I, I agree. 
I'm a, I'm gonna take the other side of that actually. I, I I'm not as I'm not as concerned. First off, he's always been a guy that jumps uh jumps into the catch, which is annoying. Um, and I know Wes Welker probably doesn't love it either. Um, you know, guys who guys who have to jump to catch the ball. Uh, one of the reasons that you know that I've heard a long time ago that um that you know receivers do that is because it actually does by by jumping. Um, and getting into the air and stopping, you know, the feet and the footsteps and, and all that, it actually does quiet the eye, uh, the eye down a little bit um, so that you can see the ball in a little bit better. Um, he's always been that. So he's always going to and, and it seems like too late for that to just suddenly uh, disappear. Although you never know, guys perfect their craft all the time. But um, so he's always going to have limitations that way. But if we're just talking about pure drops. Um, what is he, you know, depending on who's tallying, he, he's got like six this year and, and three of them really came in one game. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know. I think receivers can go through drops are so small sample and so kind of almost random that receivers can go through a, a stretch and I, I'm just not going to worry about it. That, that one really bad one that he had in the, in the game, you know, nobody around him. I mean, that's just so classic. That's just, that's just, a guy trying to run with the ball before before he secures it, and and you know it happens all the time. It happens. It's happened with every great receiver that Miami has had in recent you know memory, um, whether it's a great receiver, good receiver, whatever you want to call it. You know whether it's um whether it's Brandon Marshall or uh, or um, Mike Wallace or you know whoever. Um, so I'm I'm not too worried about that. I think he's I think he's producing really well. I think he produces even better when Tyreek is off the heel, the field. I think that the offense, if I'm going to be honest with you, and I think Mike McDaniel's part of this, I think they are caught up in this Tyreek Hill 2000 yard thing. Um, and I think that everybody knows it. And I think that, you know, Jalen Waddle is probably doing a pretty good job keeping his, keeping his mouth shut <laughs> And and you know not complaining about um about the role that he's been relegated to while everybody's chasing this two thousand yard thing with Tyreek Hill, um but you saw it in uh, a recent game when when Tyreek Hill we thought you know he might have broken his hand or something like that, um here comes Jalen Waddle and he's he's, uh, he's making big catches and he's having a, he's having his best game of the year against the Jets uh, last week. So I, if anything, you know, I wonder if the guy is trending up a little bit better um, because of that. And I think that this wide receiver position in Miami, including Jalen Waddle, does most of the heavy lifting on the offense. They demand an incredible amount from their wide receivers in terms of um, their precision and the consistency of their technique and the details. Um, Wes Welker is very demanding wide receivers coach. And I think the offense is very demanding that way that you have to be exactly where you need to be in exactly the right time. And then, oh, by the way, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are supremely talented, supremely fast and, and really good playmakers on top of being that precise, that consistent, that disciplined to have that much chemistry with the quarterback. Oh, and then, by the way, also be good blockers. You know, like uh, this is extraordinarily demanding system for the wide receivers on this team. And, um, and so, you know, it, it's not, it's not surprising that it looks hard every now and then because what they're asking of them is hard. 
And, um, and the last thing that anybody wants to do is to lose, lose that core uh, of talent. Speaking of great talent and wide receiver, I signed Nico Collins off the bench for my fantasy team yesterday, and he caught nine passes for 191 yards and a touchdown and gave me 34 points in my win. So I'm just going to put that out there. Um, Alf, on a more serious note, do you envisage a scenario where the Dolphins perhaps, uh, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, but with all the big contracts that are potentially coming out with Christian and Javon and Jalen Phillips and uh, Tua, obviously, and potentially Van Ginkle and whoever else, do you envisage a scenario where Miami might move on from Jalen Model, or do you think that that is a contract they're going to likely to get done? Just as a note, looking at some of the potential speedsters, who would fit the bill coming out in the draft? Uh, no, I, th- I, th- I think Jalen Waddle fits that bill of the of the lifer because you want to you want to get every single ounce of football that he has at this rate, and when he becomes expensive is when you're probably going to say goodbye to Tyree Kill when he's 32, 33, 34. And he's no longer Tyreek Hill. Although, so yeah, he, he has said he wants to retire, doesn't he? And significantly before that. So, yeah. So who knows? Maybe we have only two more years of Tyreek Hill. So it makes perfect sense that Jalen Wall will just take on that mantle, and then they'll they'll draft the cheap guy to go opposite of of Jalen Waddle, as Jalen Waddle will be the expensive guy playing the Tyreek Hill role. So I think it just works out perfectly in that regard. As far as am, the I alone, receivers. am I alone thinking that um, we should think about Devon A. a- Chan as a, as a wide receiver, um, cross training first, and then maybe uh, maybe a permanent move? No, I don't think you are. Uh, you too. Especially when uh, you saw that that movie made on the line on the on the first Tyreek touchdown, you saw how he got off the press there and was six yards open. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I I said it earlier on in the show and i've and i've been saying this all day today he's the best offensive rookie i can remember on this team since chris chambers i don't know if you guys have somebody different uh i won't say best rookie overall because there's a guy called zach thomas that that came here but uh yeah uh, he's the best offensive rookie i could ever remember on this team he's absolutely electric i can't wait to see him get the ball more in the passing game and you just saw a glimpse of it yesterday and he breaks tackles. That's a, that, that, If you watch him, he is breaking tackles. He is not no scack back. Uh, he's got great contact balance. Had it at Texas A&M. And actually, if you had signed up to um, to OnlyFans, you'd have known before the draft that Miami were going to draft him. So just going to put that out there as well. Um, quick question, Alf, and I'll stay with you. You are our Butch Barry correspondent. Uh, <laughs> and if anybody's on OnlyFans and is listening as well, they will know that. But where do you place yesterday's performance in terms of, and again, you know, we talked about in the previous show, this is not um, Nick Bosa and uh, Kelly or Matt coming to town. This was a, not uh, an energized edge group, obviously much better on the interior in terms of the guys that they have there, but, but how would you rate the performance? And certainly of guys that, you know, we're talking about Liam Eikenberg now stringing together back to back to back, really solid games. We're talking about Austin Jackson, you know, potentially pushing an outside chance of a pro bowl vote. Yeah, who would have thought? Where, where do you rate yesterday's performance in terms of uh, where this group can go? Overall, overall, very, very good. Uh, I I understand PFF has their ratings and Robert, you know, Robert Hunt is a darling on those ratings for this game. I, I watched his, every single snap he played. I thought he was rusty. Uh, he was rusty in, in the run game. He had some bad moments in pass pro. So I didn't think it was Robert Hunt's finest moment. 
but it's understood, you know, it's, you know, I don't worry about Robert Hunt and I don't worry about Teron Armstead. And those were the two guys that I thought played the worst uh, on the offensive line yesterday. Teron Armstead, it was his usual steady self in pass pro, but he was missing landmarks in the run game. And he was, he whiffed on a couple of blocks and he also tried to hook a guy a couple of times and got overpowered. So I didn't think Teron Armstead was particularly great. Uh, and like I said, Rob Hunt, I thought was, was very, very rusty, but I don't worry about those guys. Those guys are going to be good. They, they might even be completely elite, maybe even next week. So I don't worry about those guys, but the rest of these guys, my God, is Liam Meikenberg actually good? Uh, he looked great in this game. We know Connor Williams is coming on and we know Austin Jackson is, is, is just stacking these weeks. Although he had a, although he, I don't think he was all that great against the, the, uh, the jets, but He's he was pretty good in this one, but Liam Meikenberg, like, where's this coming from? Like, I wasn't his biggest fan, but I gotta, I think I have to admit, I think he is the the left guard going forward. I think that they found their five for the playoffs, and you saw them start yesterday against the uh, against the Commanders. And I know Chris wants to talk about this guy, but Keon Smith just looks fabulous on 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 tape. I don't know if you know if he's going to hold up and pass pro because we just haven't seen him do it for, you know, 35, 40 pass snaps. But in the run game, he is absolutely fabulous. I mean, what a fine. Even if this guy ends up becoming, you know, Teron Armstead's valet next year, like Kendall Lamb was this year. Uh, even if he's just that, you know, it's what a reclamation project. This is the guy that we thought was not an NFL player, did not belong on an NFL field. And now he's showing these chops. I guess that's what they saw. They saw a 6'5", 310-pound guy that could move really well. And they said, you know what? We're going to work with that. And we're going to turn that into the kind of offensive lineman or the kind of offensive tackle that we need for this system. Mobile, kind of hostile, too. I don't know if you watched a couple of his snaps. Uh, he's not afraid to drive somebody, even when you're up 30 points. And they might be a little bit chippy because, you know, why are you leaning on me up 30 points, you know? So very, very impressed with the the, the offensive line, uh, especially since the two warts were Toron Armstead and Robert Hunt, and I don't worry about those two at all. Chris, you've been a big uh, expo uh, exponent. What a big uh, proponent of Keon Smith, who I would say was our third string left tackle, actually, because I think Kendall Lamb is a, is a better player. But it's a hell of a position for the Dolphins to be in, given, you know, the precipitous nature of Teron Armstead's body. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that, that was one of the revelations of preseason. And it was one of those things that, you know, I, I kept trying to tell people, I don't understand. I don't know if everybody kind of realized what was developing and what was happening in the preseason, because we all headed into the year and we were not alone. Um, most worried about the offensive line, right? Um, did they do enough here? Uh, is this the, you know, the, the weakness in the death star, um, you know, is this, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of questions and here we sit in the preseason. We're watching Kendall Lamb play. We're watching Keon Smith play, who was tragic as a right tackle last year in preseason. Let's be honest. Um, and then we're watching also, let's not forget Ryan Hayes, uh, on the, uh, the practice squad and we're watching all these guys play and, um, particularly, you know, Lamb and Smith, well, and, and Hayes too. Let's include him. Uh, they're all playing really, really well. They're, it's all very, 
um, it's all very clear that they they operate very well in this offense. And it's like, if this is what it looks like, then this is huge for the Miami Dolphins. Absolutely huge. Can't be overstated. Or, or you know, because, um, you know, we didn't expect Teron Armstead to play the full year. And we were right for that. <laughs> so Kendall Lamb gets in there. He's achieving some of the best ratings as a uh, pass blocker that ESPN's, you know, next gen stats are, uh, are able to give. Um, he's still, you know, among the top rated uh, pass block uh, win rate guys in, uh, in all of the NFL, even though he has been playing because uh, Teron Armstead's been back um, and Keon Smith's been playing. Um, and then Keon Smith gets in there uh, and, and the, what he did in this game and what he also did in the other game that he played seems like he gave the run game, the sort of shot in the arm that actually Teron Armstead did. If you rewind, the clock and you go back to the Denver game, you know, Denver game, uh, Teron Armstead came back in and at left tackle and we had been doing fine at left tackle with Kendall lamb. And then Teron Armstead had a game against Denver that sort of reminded you why he's Teron Armstead and why you get him in there, you know, when, when you can, uh, he, cause he, he was, he was that impactful, in the run game and it allowed the offense to have that complete game, that 70 point performance. Um, well, Keon Smith, when he gets in there, he gives the run game that kind of shot in the arm. But the big unknown is the pass protection because he looked good in the preseason, genuinely good in the preseason that way. And yeah, I can give you a handful, maybe five, six snaps, uh, relevant snaps uh, in this game where he showed good pass protection. But he was doing it against what we called on the preview show, basically a preseason uh, edge group with the Washington Commanders. XFL um, All-Stars. Yeah, I mean, these guys are clearly backup quality players. Two of them are rookies. Um, one of them is just kind of a journeyman that doesn't really do a whole lot. Th this was not a challenge for him. Um, but uh, so so that's the great unknown. And we don't we don't know that. And next year we could be facing facing a situation where we have to move on from Teron Armstead because I don't know how his body doesn't give out next week, let alone next year. Um, you know, it's at this point it's clear that the man is being held together with with scotch tape and string. Um, so I think that uh, we could be looking at a situation without Teron Armstead next year, and it's looking more and more of a legit possibility that they could get by at that position with a combination of Kendall Lamb and Keon Smith. Um, but the, if in order to get there, then you're going to have to solve one of the unknowns about Keon Smith, which is whether he can actually pass protect against real, real NFL edge players. Um, so far the building blocks are there though. Yeah. Quick word on, uh, to uh, and on Tyreek, obviously, a couple of big deep shots down the field, a uh, couple of big touchdowns. Uh, it, I mean, teams get warned: don't play man coverage like that, don't play single high safety, don't blitz to it. And yet, teams continue to do it, and the same results keep happening. It's um really good performances from both yesterday, wasn't it? And, and Tyreek getting closer and closer to that Magic Two Thousand. Yeah, on that first touchdown by, by Tyreek when they flexed out Devon Achan, I didn't even notice Tyreek. I just I just noticed Devon Achan going out there. I guess the commanders didn't have the the scouting report. This guy's really really fast. They put a linebacker out on him, and 
Tua could have chosen who got the 68-yard touchdown, and he chose Tyreek. Tyreek is just fabulous. What, what a fabulous player. Uh, he's the best wide receiver in football right now. And since Justin Jefferson is nursing that that hamstring injury, uh, he's not going to have a say about it this year. I think it's clear-cut who's the best offensive player in football if we're not counting the quarterbacks. So I think he's going to, I think the offensive player of the year award is pretty much already in the bag, uh, health permitting, of course. And I'm starting to see how the MVP could be well within reach. If he, if he obliterates the 2000 mark at 16 games, I don't see the argument against it. I think he, he's probably going to win it because that's going to accompany a lot of dolphin wins. And I think he'll win MVP if that's the case. That was a that was a short yardage, by the way. Yeah. That was a third and short. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice fine. It was a nice fine F you to the people questioning <laughs> Mike McDaniel's short yardage uh play calling. Yeah, we're going <laughs> we're going we're going uh four verts here. Yeah. Who would be your MVP Alf in terms of the wider NFL at, the, at this stage with five weeks to go? Man, Brock Purdy. Uh I hate to I, not that I hate to say it, it's Brock Purdy. That offense operates really, really well. Very much how how the Dolphin offense operates really, really well with with Tua Tungabaloa. and you know, you know, we we've seen when Brock Purdy is not on not on that offense or he's off, what they look like when he plays well. That team is overwhelming. So let's say they run the table. I think he's the MVP because look at his numbers. His numbers are going to be MVP like. Now Tyreek gets uh beats two thousand in sixteen games. It's going to come with like 16, 17, 18 touchdowns. Then, yeah, you know, how can you argue against Tyreek? It's a historic season. So I would say Tyreek in that regard. But if not, Brock Purdy's probably my guy for MVP. Chris? I, I do have to, I have been a supporter um, for a while now of the idea of Tyreek Hill uh, getting the MVP. Um, I think that uh, I don't don't see it as a slight towards Tua Tungavailoa at all, uh, considering the pace that Tyreek Hill is on and the history that he's threatening to make. Um, I think the, I would like to see I would like him to, to see him break that two thousand actually in sixteen, not seventeen games, um, in order to you know kind of prevent an asterisk situation. Um, but you know, I think that I think that the offense. I think if you if you look at it right now, not only is he on this record-setting pace, uh, and whereas I don't I, I don't see any of the other quarterbacks, including Tua, uh, being on a record-setting pace. Mm-hmm. They're not. Um, not only is he on that record-setting pace, but the new kinks that Mike McDaniel worked out for this year's offense, and that he un- unveiled, you know, week one, right were all focused around Tyreek Hill. Like it was, it was designed around Tyreek Hill. So he is not just record setting production, but literally the focal point of a brand new offense. That's the offensive style. That's kind of taking the NFL by storm. And that is being copied all over the place by everybody. Um, And to me that, that provides both the statistical backing and the narrative backing to say, you know, just go for it. 
the, this this guy is going to be. And, you know, that's going to put the cherry on top of, I think, uh, the Hall of Fame career where he gets to say, um, you know, I think Wes Walker even said it, you know, he might be the best wide receiver that's ever played the game. And um, and and I, I think that you put a put an MVP exclamation point on his um, in, in the middle of his career. And that'll help you do that. That'll help you say that. Uh, I mean, I would say that the obvious answer is that it's completely up for grabs at this point. Actually, yeah. which in many respects, is is great for the game. And it almost fluctuates week by week. And the, there was a point yesterday where I thought that, you know, if Tua, Tua gets into the sort of the 350s and maybe throws one or two more touchdowns, that, you know, all of a sudden he becomes the the favourite again. And I, I think at this point with five weeks to go, Brock, Dak, I think Dak's had a great last few mm-hmm. weeks. Jalen Hurts, you know, I don't think Jalen Hurts has been terrific, but I think if you go back to those two games on the road at Kansas City and then last week where he sort of willed the, the team home against Buffalo, um, being able to come up in the big moments um, is extremely valuable. Tua, obviously, Tyreek, obviously. I think Lamar, who was probably a lot of people's mid-season MVP. Uh, Patrick Mahomes hit the buffers yesterday. It, it, it really is up for grabs. And you kind of feel like, you know what, if Tua can go into national television on Monday night against the Titans and put up a big, big game with some big numbers, who knows? You know, even, it, it's going to be very close when it when, when it's all said and done. And I, I think the winner will come from from one of those guys. But if it is going to be a non-quarterback, then, you know, you'd have to say it would have to be Tyreek, despite, you know, Christian McCaffrey's obviously had a great year. C.D. Lamb's had a great year, but I just can't see them giving it to somebody who doesn't do something other than break Calvin Johnson's record and, you know, essentially bust the the 2000 barrier. Right, we are coming to the end of the show. This, as always, has been um, three yards per carry brought to you by Price Picks and by Manscaped. Gentlemen, it's time for you to give out some some awards and your weekly kind of award as to who you thought was the Dolphins' own MVP yesterday in the game against the Commanders in a game in which I think I was the closest to getting the score right. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> what was your score prediction, Simon? I think it was 40-14, I think. Yeah, I think that was right. I thought it was, I, I thought it was thirty-eight something. Oh, it might have been thirty-eight. Sorry, but no, I said I said thirty-eight. And I said forty. I said forty. Forty twenty-five. I said thirty-eight twenty-two. Away, I said I said thirty-eight twenty-two, and then Simon said, "You know what? I w- that he, uh, Simon said that he was going to say thirty-eight twenty-two, but he changed it to I think forty fourteen. Oh. So he ended up uh, he ended up being right. By the way, I got something on Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock Purdy <laughs> has a passer rating of a hundred and sixteen point one right now." In NFL history, guys with over 115 passer rating, one, I'm counting them right now, okay? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All eight won the MVP. I mean, so, he's number one. He's number one. Brock Purdy's number one in completion rate, yards per attempt, passer rating, QBR, adjusted EPA per play, success rate. And DVOA, he's fourth in touchdowns and seventh in passing yards. I mean, it's it's hard to. So so yeah, you know. if he doesn't win MVP, you got to tell. Oh, so, sorry, buddy, uh, you're you're the ninth that did not win MVP. But the other eight, the other eight, by the way, I can name them. It's uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. You know the names. Aaron Rodgers three times. Apparently, it's the system. He's pretty good talent around him. But I I have just heard there is some breaking news that apparently. Joe Montana is going to hand back his MVP award to playing with Jerry Rice and John Taylor and Roger Craig and Ricky Waters and those guys. So I don't know. Um, By the way, there's one guy 
one guy in NFL history that had a passer rating of 115 and did not win the MVP, but he did get MVP votes. You want to guess, Simon? I think I think you know this. Uh, what era are we talking? Very, re- very recent history. Nope, not Champ Pennington. Um, very recent, recent history. Well, I have no idea, mate. And the reason he didn't was because uh, Aaron Rodgers had a much better passer rating. Oh, okay. So, so you know who was uh, who finished third in MVP that year? Hit me, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, yes, of course, with a one seventeen oh, passer rating that year. But he got comeback. Did he get comeback player, yeah, of, the comeback player of the year? Yes, he did. He got comeback player of the year. Yeah, uh, before, um, actually, before we before we do our uh, sort of MVPs for yesterday, the Zach Wilson story that Diana Rossini broke this afternoon or this evening on the Athletic wow. is astonishing, isn't it? I mean, that is astonishing. Yeah, and I, uh, I don't doubt her. She's a she is Robert a, Robert Sala is is already denying it, but that's that's explosive. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> hey, hey, Zach. Here's a you know this is going to be a great opportunity for you, man. You're going to get to you might even get to start against a high profile game against the Dolphins. No, no, no I don't want to, Robert. <laughs> I, I'm reluctant to do this behind that offensive line. I mean, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. No <laughs> that was astonishing. I mean, can you imagine? You know. Hackett saying, you know, Zach, how would you like to be the star of a New York football Jets? And Wilson's just like, mm, do I have to? <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That, that's nice. Uh, you know, I think yeah. Trevor, I th- give it, give the job to Trevor. I think he's he's all right. <laughs> give him the that's job. Crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, we're giving out. Uh, I can't wait to give out this game ball. It's Go my on, turn, hit right? Me. Hit me. It's the best film. Uh, and I was watching today. You know, I was watching the offensive line. Look. It's too easy to give it to Tyreek Hill, and I might never have the opportunity to give this game ball to this guy ever, ever. And we all know Tyreek Hill was the best player yesterday. Tua was also really, really good. But my game ball goes to Liam Eikenberg. He was absolutely damn near perfect in this game. So Liam Eikenberg gets my, my game ball, not because of sympathy or anything. He actually played one of the better games at guard that any guard for the Dolphins has played this year. Chris? I am going to give it to Tua Tungavailoa in this game. I thought he had the best game um, probably of the season uh, for him this year. Uh, Obviously, Tyreek Hill is a great talent and had a really good game. But, you know, (laughs) it's going to come down to actually that, um, that that, that second touchdown. That's so controversial that everybody is saying, hey, Tua, you know, Tua threw it to the wrong shoulder, Tua threw it to the wrong area, and, and Tyreek Hill had to correct everybody and said, you know, and say, I, I thought so too, but then I looked at the the tablet and realized that I had the wrong coverage and ran the completely wrong route. And Tua ended up, you know, he saw what Tyreek was doing, and he actually, you know, Tyreek said that he actually he actually changed it a little bit so that he could he could still go up and get it and and make the right um, make the right read and uh, and run under the ball and I think that Tua threw a better ball than Tyreek ran a, a route on that one and I think overall just the pocket presence and the the game that Tua had was stunning was just stunning it was it was really good it was the best we've seen in a while and um and i think that he was truly truly the mvp of that game 
Yeah, he will be on the uh, Manning cast this evening during the Jaguars Bengals game. Raheem Mostert will be on with with Kay Adams. Nice. I'm going to give it to uh, Alec Ingold actually, who uh, just week by week by week is the sort of unsung hero of everything this offense does well. And I think if you look at what he does in isolation, and Brian Baldinger had a great video on it this morning. He is just out there killing dudes week after week after week. If he's not the all pro, if he's not the all pro uh, fullback this year, that will be an absolutely damning indictment of the people that vote. He is a sensational player. Um, I think he was mic'd up yesterday as well. So you probably see um, a fair bit of him in hard knocks tomorrow night. Anyway, this has been three yards per carry. As always, Chris, Simon, and Alf. Pleasure to bring you another victory Monday as the Dolphins storm to nine and three with four out of the next five games at home. We will be back to preview the next one of those against the Tennessee Titans on a dual Monday night football where we have Chris Fowler, Lewis Riddick, and I think Dan Orlovsky as the commentary team um, at home at Hard Rock Stadium as we look to go 10 and 3. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find us on OnlyFins. You can find us on Twitter at 3 Yards Per Carry, which is also where you find the details to sign up to OnlyFins which is our great little Dolphins community. We will look forward to seeing you on there if you join us. And if you don't, we will see you on Thursday night on the preview show. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.